Yeah, do your thing. Test, test, test. We are recording. We are works best if you go right above it. Okay. Just keep it in Okay, we're going to jump right in here. Okay. We are at Sunnyside Cemetery. Is that right? Yes. Is that what this is called? Sunnyside, yeah. Very cool. And I know they have, it's a cemetery in Long Beach. A lot of history here. A lot of big tombstones and headstones. Looks like something out of like the Haunted Mansion, right? It's very traditional. Right. It's and a huge historical, sacred lot of land here. Feels very sacred. Feels very solemn, right? Yeah. Very important. Mm. Absolutely. You know, they almost got, they were talking about closing the gates here. Really? Yeah. But the city is taking Sunnyside over. If you look right across the fence, mm -hmm. just straight, you see all the grass over there is green. Yeah. That's because the city took that uh, cemetery over and they, they water it all the time. So um, this one's going to be getting some more love again. Good. Yeah, because yeah. not to be mean, but the grass leaves a little something to be desired. Well, That's it's mostly right. dirt it's and mostly lots dirt. of gopher holes. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's kind of crazy that I got this far. Um, before we go further, though, I should introduce you. Your name is... Of course, Maggie St. Thomas. I'm yeah. joined today by Maggie St. Thomas. And um, what do you do for everybody out there in a nutshell? I know you do many things, but um, okay. how would you describe yourself? Well, let's see. I think for for this seg segment, I yeah. do uh, photography. I write. And um, I have a publication that has a... appropriate enough and we're right? here to talk about it right yeah yeah so i, I have that too uh, jerk of all trades of, of all course trades. is what you're talking about your zine right and that's awesome um tell everybody about the zine what what is that zine about mostly about music and art and uh there's entertainment there's a section that honors the deceased Very uh, cool. yeah when the first issue was published in 2011 it had a um, photographer by the name of Edward Culver on the cover. And it also had a whole s entire section of, um, there was like a, an RIP section for Timothy Leary, for Joey Ramone, for Bradley Knoll. And there was uh, Etta James included also. And I just pretty much put it together because I had um, acquired such a, library of photographs with so many incredible artists and not always had a publication to work with or backing me to publish them so I started my own so you said you've amassed like a bunch of photos so is it fair to say you've been in the game photo biz wise and music wise for a while my first published piece was in 1994 uh -huh. and uh, that was an angry throw in magazine it was a two-page spread and as far as photos yeah negatives i have over i have a safe that um is just full of negatives and there's very cool over forty thousand in there 
That is insane to think that you've got that many. Right. They're in books and they're categorized alphabetically. So um, I can pretty much go in, pick up the color that I know it would be and um, just flip through them and find it in the sheet and print file. I use a lot of print file and scan it, print it, whatever I need to do. But yeah. And like who are in some of these photos? Because I remember... I think I first met you outside of Third Eye Records on the street, and you were there. Yeah. Um, yeah, you were there promoting Jerk of All Trades, and I think I got a, a T-shirt and the first issue of Jerk of All Trades. Yeah. Or I- first issue for me, I should say. Cool. Yeah, cool. and uh, I gave you a sticker too. You gave me right? a sticker. You gave. You were awesome. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. No, like it was awesome to see. You had a lot of really good photos there. Um, you were there with, I can't think of her name, I'm so sorry. There was uh, Mercedes Hart and Jessica Moncrief. Thank you, Jessica Moncrief. Right. Shout out to her. She is awesome. Uh, she actually... And Mercedes Hart. They're both great they're, artists. I don't remember Mercedes, but I imagine if you promote for her or vouch for her, she's got to be a pretty cool person because you're into pretty cool stuff. She does these hand... Uh, hand done Guadalupe's and they are amazing she takes a like a little yeah she uh, engraves with paper I'm not sure but they look really cool I actually purchased two of them and they're in my bedroom they're beautiful pieces and I know other uh, other people who have some of her work as well yeah she probably is I can imagine I have a ton of respect for any artist uh, but especially you guys, like you and Jessica were out there with all your photos and it was inspiring to see, like, you have seen some really talented and met some really incredible people. Um, like, some, who are some of the most notable people you think you've ever gotten to photograph? Well, I'm always going to go with the Ramones when it comes to oh, that. Rad, yeah. You know, I got into photography because of the Ramones and it was my dream to meet them, but not just as a fan to kind of have a different tool in a sense, Uh, not an instrument, but you know, I had a camera and a a pen and um, you know, and I, and I met them and photographed them in 95. How'd you meet them? It was at the K-Rock Weenie Roast. Rad. It was the third annual K-Rock Weenie Roast in June of 95 and uh, Arturo Vega, who was the Ramones creative director, got me a photo pass. And that was when I first started, you know, I literally just, uh, I got in with that. I I interviewed them. I was supposed to interview Johnny Ramone a second time, but uh, he unfortunately passed away about two weeks before that interview was going to take place and that was also going to be arranged again by Arturo that's insane and like so where did you said you told me before we got started you're up in Michigan right I was born in Michigan yes right on and how long did you live there not very long but when I go back I mean I do I have traveled there before and um, I used to go there a lot more than I do now but I used to go there at least once a year for a couple of years there but um so where do you say you grew up like if someone were to ask you definitely california yeah yeah orange county i live in long beach now i had my kids in long beach very cool yeah so you identify with like long beach orange county and uh 
when you grew up out here, did you ever envision yourself actually becoming a rock journalist and photographer? And did you ever think that was an actual possibility? I mean, what finally gave you the courage to reach out and ask for press passes and stuff like that? Well, um, I always wanted to be an artist ever since I was, you know, I still have artwork that I did and schoolwork that I did from kindergarten that my father saved. And it would say, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm -hmm. And I put artist. And um, it's just arts have always been engraved in, in me ever since I was a young child listening to symphonies and great compositions as well as you know a lot of film and becoming familiar with a lot of artwork and museums and books and literature music definitely lots of music were your parents like super into the arts as well yeah yeah well, i was raised by my father and he was uh always into you know there was always a record on with rock music hawkwind johnny thunders hell yeah yeah or it would be wagner you know it just depends very it just cool depended yeah nice balance yes. and like so did you i know are you a mu musician at all for people that don't know as a hobby i do play the violin and i do play the cello as pretty, a hobby it's a pretty complicated things to have as hobbies that's pretty cool though yeah and how long you've been playing those since i was eight years old very cool. And yeah. is your father a musician as well? or? Um, you know what? I, he, he did work with film, um, like uh, documenting a lot of the music from the 90s, anarchy punk bands, goth bands. Whoa. Yeah. So, and I would just go with him to concerts and, and stuff and... You know, that's how I sort of picked up the camera. And once I picked up the camera, violin and, you know, all of that just went out the door. I was just in love with the camera and playing with that and taking photographs. And, you know, whether it was a 24 exposure roll of film or a 36 roll exposure of film, um, you know, it just. It's just always been something I love. Very cool. And uh, were your parents pretty supportive of it from the beginning? I'd say, yeah. yeah. I mean... Uh, With your dad documenting rock and roll, I imagine he was probably pretty stoked when he started to see what you were doing, right? Right. Absolutely. Very cool. And yeah. uh, what about your mom? Was she super into music, too? My mother was a big fan of ACDC. Hell yeah. And, uh, you know... Um, she liked ACDC a lot. I uh, wasn't raised by my mom, so I didn't really, uh, you know, I started talking to her again when I was 17, and then I m met her, I guess, whatever you'd call it, when I was 23. Okay. And at the time, I was working with the magazine. She was very supportive of that, very proud, and told uh, a lot of, you know, everybody. Yeah. And that was a lot of fun. And then she passed away, like, you know, um, that was 2005. So I had from 2002, the summer of 2003, the summer of 2004, the summer of 2005. 
Wait, that seems like a lot longer than it was. So it was a very brief relationship. Very brief. But we had that moment, and that was... That's still pretty cool, right? Very cool. Very cool. Hell yeah. And that's awesome that both your parents got to experience, you know, seeing you arise to that success. Because, you, like, you've... You're kind of underselling it, I feel. Like, you've taken some photos of really, really amazing people that, like, people have only dreamed to be in front of. You know, like, I know you've taken photos of Snoop Dogg. Uh, Many right? times, yeah. Well, you've talked to Snoop Dogg. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I've talked with him, yes. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's, like, that's so rad. Like, not everybody gets to do that. That's so cool that you were able to arise to that from just a kid going to, like, concerts with her dad. Do you remember the first concert you ever went to? Well, I do remember a concert. I, mm-hmm. It wasn't the first one, but the first one that I remember, I was six years old. Mm-hmm. And I was with my father, and we snuck in to go see Motorhead. Oh, and, such a good one. Oh, my gosh. It was great. And then in 2006, when I was in Wisconsin, yeah, Lemmy was playing with this rockabilly band called Headcat. And it's Slim Jim Phantom, Danny B. Harvey, Slim Jim from the Stray Cats. Very good. Danny B. Harvey, who's played with a bunch of, you know, he's a great musician. And mm-hmm. it was also... Uh, Lemmy. And I told him, he was in my hotel room, actually. We were doing an interview, and I said... That's cool. I, he was looking at this book with the Ramones in it mm-hmm. uh, that, I, that I have some pictures in. I actually have a chapter. It's an Italian import, and it's called Blitzkrieg, Ramones, Blitzkrieg, uh, Rock and Art, something like that. It's an Italian import. There's an Italian chapter, mm-hmm. and then there's an English chapter. It's great. And he was looking at he's like, oh, yeah, Joey Ramone. And I'm like, you know, you were the first, my first concert that I saw was was Motorhead. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I said, and uh, my, my father and I snuck in. And he's like, he gives me a nod of approval. He's like, oh, it's true rock and roll. And I'm like, yes. Right from the beginning. And you got the approval of the artist. Yeah, That's yeah. So cool. And then we took a photograph together. And it was, it was awesome. I still have that. And I kissed his skin tag. You know, uh, in the picture, yeah, the top funny. one. Well, I'm sure you gave him a couple extra years at the good luck, right? He was, yeah, that <laughs> was, was he a nice guy. Very, very nice, very cool, great musician, man. His whole yeah. style, ah, that was a bummer to lose him. I yeah. was sad, you know. A lot of people were sad. I mean, Lemmy. I feel like the legend of Lemmy goes that he was a very grizzled person on the outside, but incredibly sweet on the inside. I've heard this over and over. I've never met him, you know, but I've heard this in many interviews that that was the kind of person he truly was. He was a kind-hearted, good-spirited guy, just kind of minded himself. Well, you know, one of the first bands that I photographed was his first band, Hawkwind. Mm -hmm. They stayed over at our house in, like, 89, I think it was, 1989, and they were on one of their tours. So, um... They stayed, and I was actually going to be a little robot and dance with Hawkwind. Uh, <laughs> cool. But I got sick. I found out. I didn't find out at the time. It took a couple years of um, more, you know. I got sick, and I tried to take NyQuil, and I broke out in hives. Oh, wow. And um, so I couldn't be the little robot. So I was just, like, at the show at Bogarts oh. and Club Lingerie and stuff, just totally, like, miserable. 
but I took some photographs of them, mm-hmm. and that was pretty cool. And that was actually Lemmy's first band. And even back then, they were super nice people, down to earth, I imagine. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're from Europe, you know. They're they're really trippy, great, great band. I grew up listening to them, you know. Yeah. So. I understand. Are there other bands do you think that are really near to dear to you? Motorhead, the Ramones. Is there anything like other bands that like really identify or define who you are? I would say I'm influenced by all kinds of artists and musicians, yeah. but you know, you know that goes into kind of our next thing. Yeah, what are your inspirations and influences for everything, photograph-wise, music-wise, life-wise? Well, I would say that I'm incredibly influenced by the photo work of Dionne Arbus. And she has the the infamous photograph of the twins, the shining girls. That's her picture. Like she she photographed them and the boy in the park with the grenade. And she did a lot of photography work of people with abnormalities and would go into their homes and sit down with them and take a picture and she her work is incredible i became familiar with her when i was like 14 years old by a documentary i watched that featured her daughter dune mm-hmm. arbus and her work is you know i love it um i also grew up watching a lot of the films of lenny riefenstahl who did um, some amazing, she was an actress, uh, producer, filmmaker, photographer, and she did like uh, some powerful films, controversial woman, because of some of the content that she uh, featured, but her images nonetheless are powerful, and that's what I'm drawn to women in film, you know. Uh, so those two. How would you describe your own work? Like, is there something you strive to achieve overall? Like a theme that you think seems to come up a lot, or like a intent that you always seem to carry out? Like, are you trying to be in the moment, or is there a certain attitude you're trying to capture? I'm not sure. There's been so many different subjects and layers to it throughout the years that I can't really say, you know. um, Like when you take a photo, mm -hmm. do you approach a scene with some sort of intent or do you just kind of let the moment happen and see what happens in the moment? Does that make sense? Well, I do a lot of photography work with people. Yeah. So when I approach a person, I want to have a connection with them, which is very hard to do sometimes when you're doing live concert photography because that person is giving a piece of themselves to that entire space. So when you have, you know, a subject in front of you and you're taking a photograph of them, I want to make sure that there's that they know that I'm there, that it's done with permission, as it always is. Mm-hmm. I always get permission. And um, the only time, okay, so recently I was doing a photo shoot. I was invited 
to uh, photograph this vigil for this man who had been shot that day. It was a gang-related shooting in South Central L.A. around, you know, a week after Nipsey Hussle had been shot. Mm. And I was invited to come down, and one of my friends asked me if I would be there and, and take some photographs, and I gladly went down there. And, I, and um, to be there in that realm of these women that did not know me, and they are mourning the loss, the instant loss of their child from mm -hmm. that day. I mean, I feel like whoever I'm sitting in front of, if I'm taking a photograph of them, they are giving me more than I'm giving of myself because that is forever. And I have some incredibly striking images of the mother of, the, of her, her son who was murdered that day. She's looking right at me. And I remember one of the girls was saying, don't ask, you're, you're okay, you're one of us and um, just take your pictures. And so I thought, okay, they're right, you know, like, cause I don't want to offend anybody. Mm -hmm. And she's looking right at me and, and there's so much love and I'm getting a little emotional <laughs> right now just thinking about it. Okay. But um, it's beautiful, it really is. So it's important for you, I mean, you said, despite what those people are telling you to just take your photos. It's important for you to have them know that you're there and you're connected and you're sharing that experience with them, right? Yeah, it has to be something that they're not, that they want, right. that they're okay with, you know? Yeah. In that type of sense, it was so intimate and personal. And, um, you know, I almost felt like I shouldn't be doing that because it was so real. Yeah. But honestly, like, it was... Uh, it was just such an incredible experience to be there, to be at Nipsey Hussle's vigil, to be, you know, uh, at, you know, I've done a lot of vigils this year. I've done a lot of um, protests and photographed Angela Davis this year, which was. That's incredible. Yes. That's insane. Yeah. I love her. Oh, I do. Man, that's, I, that's like such a historic thing to be a part of. Like, I can't imagine how overwhelming that was. Like, did you get to meet her at all or, like, talk to her at all or get to see her talk at oh, all? Oh, absolutely. As yeah. far as meeting her, hi, Angela Davis, I'm Maggie St. Thomas. Right. No, that, like, that didn't happen. Yeah. But um, I did get to photograph her. Yeah. And that was in February. And I had already photographed the Kingdom Day Parade yeah. in L.A. And I met some amazing people there, some great um, organizations. Ceasefire is one of them, the Reverence Project. Uh, one of my good friends I met that day at the Kingdom Day Parade, Kat, Kat Parkins, she invited me up on the float. So here I am on the float. Bobby Brown is in front of us. That's I'm on awesome. this float. Behind us is Power 106. I am going through South Central LA and getting some of the some of the realest, rawest photographs that are just like they're so I, I can't help but have a feeling when I see them. And that's yeah. what I'm that's what I'm interested in getting when I photograph somebody. Those real raw moments. The moment to capture yeah. that feeling. To, so it's not just a photograph and have it be flat. It moves. It's it alive. It has a story. It it's, has a feeling. Right. That's my goal. That's very cool. And that's, I think, the mark of a good artist. 
that you realize like there's got to be more than just the imagery it's so much more and i think it comes through in a lot of your photos uh like i haven't seen your whole portfolio obviously but what i have seen uh i can see like you do have a good sense of being in the moment like every photograph feels real so which ones have you seen which ones do you like like which one is your which one do you have a feeling with uh, I saw you take photos at the Nipsey Hustle, um, the Nipsey Hustle vigil, and that seemed really crazy and real because it looked like you shot on like maybe like a fifty millimeter lens because it felt like you were in the moment. I remember there's one with like the crowd around, right? And like I just remember feeling like you're standing there, witnessing this moment in time, which admitted, admittedly I didn't know the brevity of the situation. I think when I first heard that. Nipsey Hussle, I assumed he was just like a rapper, uh, was died, but I didn't know the backstory when I f- found out like what he had done with gangs and oh, essentially he so uniting. Much... He was way more than just music, right? Right, right. like um, he did so much for the communities and for people and inspiring people. And um, I mean, died, and it was like, what? Yeah. And everyone went nuts because of the timing, too. It was just, it was absolute chaos. Absolute chaos in the community everywhere, you know? And people didn't have to know him. That's when they were learning of him. And then most importantly, his message. He was... Like, he, his biggest thing was that he worked to unite people that were in gangs and stop violence, right? Like, he was trying to unite rival gangs to work together to like look over the community and not kill each other and not be violent thugs. Right. I imagine, or from what I do know, it seemed like that was like a lot of his message, right? Well, he just, he approached everything with such finesse and with such an amount of respect. Yeah. And, and people really felt that, you know, there's no mistaking that he had such an impact. Yeah. So do you think like, community and civil rights and stuff like that is that something that influences you majorly in your day-to-day life or absolutely i mean just anything for the betterment of you know um society yeah i feel you i was super into like the beat generation and civil rights movement and stuff like that back in high school and i know that personally like that's a huge thing that influences me to this day is like everything i do i want ultimately to affect society in a positive way right like you say yeah not add to the chaos or the negativity right right yeah yeah too much of that naturally occurring anyway (laughs) exactly exactly yeah all right well um so do you have any other hobbies besides like do you do any hobbies outside of photography and outside of uh doing what you do hi mike how are you Okay. Perfect. Thank you. A podcast. A podcast? Yeah. Just interviewing her. um, Thank you, by the way, because I was able to find, I was able to find that girl that, um, that I came here looking for. She was at Forest Lawn and I took some photos and sent them to the, uh, to her sister. And um, they were so happy and so thankful about that. Yeah. 
So thank you. I was able to find her. They at first said that she wasn't over there. They had to keep going because uh, everything's written. They tell everybody that. Yeah. <laughs> Right, I made them go back twice before they finally said, with your per persistence, we were able to find her. So that was good. Thank you so much, Mike. See you later. He's so sweet. That's so cool. I forgot that you volunteer here for a second. Is <laughs> I was like, oh man, she's just talking shop with the other funeral guy. Yeah, oh, he's, he's awesome. Yeah. That's Mike Miner. He's been here. Um, he has family that's that's uh, that's buried, and he's so sweet. Him yeah. and Linda and Joyce too, they're really great, great people. That's so cool. And they've done so much for this cemetery. How'd you even get into that? Like, what led you to volunteer here? You think? Well, um, speaking of the community, I yeah. saw that you know they needed some help. I yeah. read something online that said that. Uh, the Sunnyside Cemetery was in jeopardy. And so yeah. I, I wanted to, to help however I could. Um, I have, you know, I worked as a pre-need funeral counselor and mm -hmm. helping, um, helping people get their wishes on file, plan their um, memorials, cremations, traditional burials, whatever they have. Um, I also went to school in 2017 to become a crematory operator, which I'm licensed to do until 2023. Very cool. Yeah. Juan Cias, I believe, does that. Uh, he was on one of our other podcasts. Oh, cool. Comedian yeah. Comedian and buddy also works in mortuary I've, science. I've se yeah, yeah. I've seen his name. I've seen his name. Very cool. Yeah. it's uh, You guys, I'm sure, would get along. It's so funny that like everybody has their own world. You know what right. I mean? Like people that work in an office have their own world and lingo. People that work in cemeteries have their own words and lingo. And yes. it doesn't matter what you do. Like you've got your own version of insider knowledge. It's it's funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, we got way off, but that's the great thing that's about okay. this podcast is yeah. it's a free form or free flowing discussion. You know, we talk cool. about anything. You never know where it'll go, but it's probably going to be really interesting. Um, we're wrapping up. So before we get going, just have a couple more things. Um, if you could go back in time and like give yourself some advice when you're younger that you think would be helpful in like your journey of becoming you, uh, do you, does anything come to mind you think that you might tell yourself or maybe even someone out there needs some sort of inspiration, something you found particularly wise or helpful? You know, I would just say to most importantly, I mean, would, the, the thing is, I could say anything, but would I have listened, you know? Right, yeah. Um, but if I'm going to say anything to kind of absorb or, or, you know, remember, you just really got to believe in yourself. And yeah. sometimes that is so hard to do. But you just got to do it, you know, because it doesn't matter like what's going on. It's and it really doesn't. It's all in your mind. Really. Our minds are so powerful. It's true. Perception is reality. Oh, man. You know, mm -hmm. so it's just a matter of really 
you got to believe in yourself and people can knock you down and and kick you while you're down there's believe it or not there's people who like to do that kind of stuff especially when you're pursuing your dreams and trying to like make things happen yeah unfortunately not everybody wants you to right it's all right though you move on you keep going despite them right exactly and that's what you got to do it doesn't matter how many times you get knocked down doesn't matter you just got to get back up that's right you know and that's all you can do you got to that's all that can be done, you know? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Maggie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and interviewing. Um, before we go, uh, is there one particular song that's very meaningful or memorable to you that you want everybody out there to go look up? Anything that comes to mind? One song? Yeah. That's put the pressure on. <laughs> wow. Well, gosh, there's many one songs. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is always, always the Ramones, you know, but really like what, how do you define just one song? Like Jimi Hendrix, oh my gosh, this is a sign, Little Wing. There you go. Is Little the Wing. flock of birds fly over the headstones in front of us? Yeah. And that's actually the song enough. that I have set up for my cremation. Yeah. Is Little Wing. Lonely Planet Boy. That's a great song. That's my uh, song. It's playing in my head. Yes. He was such a great musician, man. He died at 38, you know. Really? That's young. Yeah, yeah. He died at 38. I didn't realize so that. So did Corey Haim. Corey Haim Corey was 38. 38? I thought yeah. he was younger than that for some reason. It's crazy to think of. Like, I thought he was, like, in his prime in, like, his mid-20s. No, like, he was in his prime much, much yeah. earlier. Well, I mean, he did all those great films. He had a long The streak. Lost Boys yeah. is my, f- you know, that, that is a such a good one, yeah. Yeah, I just talked to Corey Feldman the other day. He's uh, got some new work coming out that he wants me to photograph for him. Cool. Yeah, I've been working with Corey since 98. I actually photographed him and Haim in 98. So they did an autograph signing, and I was there photographing them. And that was really cool because I grew up. I mean, hello, who didn't? You yeah, know, it's all like their meeting films the were Breakfast great. Club. You know, it's like yeah, what? icons. So is he a pretty awesome dude? They both were. Corey yeah. Feldman is is really cool. People seems like a nice guy. He is. Seems he's like, very genuine. Yeah, it seems like he's. Very and that's rare. You know, surface level. What you see is what you get. Probably. That's it, exactly. Yeah, he's very cool. People. All right on. All right. Well, Maggie, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Uh, yeah, no worries. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. Um, is there anything you want to promote before we get going? Check out jerkofalltrades.org. Yeah, check it out. You know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a little platform for artists to get their name out, their yeah, work out. this is going to be on there, by the way. Cool. Yeah. 
I'm excited. I'm excited. I really am. Because I've seen a lot of the stuff that you've done. Thank you. And, you know, I always want to support my friends and I want to see more of it. I wasn't, I'm sorry I wasn't able to make it at the Alex's show. How was that, by the way? It's okay. Last one was awesome. Joseph was great. All yeah. the comedians were great. Juan Cias, Monty Franklin, Anthony Davis. Um, like, the staff was awesome. Crowd was awesome. It really was, like, such a perfect night. So it was, like, maybe one of the best ones, if not the best one yet. And uh, I can't wait for the next one. Uh, when is so the next one? Don't know yet for sure. Okay. Um, I will mention this now, though. I do have a date that you guys should be aware of. It's uh, going to be the very first show I'm co-producing in Hollywood, and it's uh, going to be December 28th at the uh, Fourth Wall Comedy Cafe. So, give you more on that soon. If you follow me on social media, uh, check that out. Um, more on that soon, though. I don't want to announce too much of that yet. Who took the photographs? Because they were really nice. Though. Oh, our photographer so far has been Kaylin Barnum. She okay. does a great, great job. Yeah, the lighting, out there, the colors, everything looked really good. That's what I was telling her. Her exposures are perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Like, Flawless. Yeah. And like, <laughs> her white balance is always perfect. Like, there's no issues with the warmth or anything. Everything just feels very harmonious. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Like she does a great job. Yeah, um, but I will keep you all posted on the next date of things. Just follow me on social media. And you know, I haven't mentioned it yet, but uh, I have a little playlist on there. If you go to my website, dannyfrankcomedy.com. What do you uh, plan? Well, go to uh, Danny Vision. There's a little link on there. It is a playlist that I've put together of tons of videos on YouTube, rare interviews, musical performances, stand-up, all kinds of people. Uh, rare documentaries about, you know, comedians in L.A., obscure comedians from 2002 to 2014. I love comedians. Get lost in that playlist. I haven't talked about it enough. I've been slowly building it. There's a Good comedian by Danny the Vision. name of, uh, <laughs> uh, okay, hold on. <laughs> Why did I do this? Zach Miller. He goes by, well, that's his name. Are you yeah. familiar with him? Yeah, yeah. He's so funny. I remember I was sitting down with another comedian, uh, Rob, Rob Jurgensen, mm -hmm. and, um, and, and Zach and, and Rob, you know, we were all having a conversation. And, and I just looked at him and I said, you know, typical Maggie fashion, just to kind of blurt something out that's just, you know, like, huh, um, to other people. But to me, it makes perfect sense. I said, yeah. if you were a superhero, what would your name be? And he says, oh, you know, I never really thought of that. Let's see, if I was a superhero, I'd be Hebrew Thunder. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck yeah, you would That's be. So I rough. was like, Hebrew Thunder needs a cape. Dude, you need a cape. And he was like, oh yeah, what are you going to make me want? I'm like, as a matter of fact, I am. So I made Hebrew Thunder a cape and he totally had this whole costume thing so down you know what i mean and it was just it was hilarious he totally went on with that for a good minute i don't know if he's still you know doing that in his sets or not but it was hilarious and well if you're out there keep an funny. eye out for hebrew thunder yeah. coming to a club near you oh soon. it's great <laughs> it's good stuff man uh, yeah all right well thank you so much for being on thank Maggie. you thank you so much good meeting you Good seeing you. I'm glad that I met you guys on the street that one day. Truth be told, uh, thank you for you and Jessica Mon Moncrief. 
You gave me my very first hosting job ever. That was the very first time I had ever hosted a show. Probably should have said something, but I didn't. And I'm sorry about that. Wait, yeah. when? That show at Harvell's. That was the first time I'd ever hosted. Oh, ever. Yeah. really? I performed a bunch, but I'd never hosted a whole show. So no that was way. my first time. No way. I swear. That was fun. It was a lot of fun. And uh, Are you going to do more shows there? I don't know. Hopefully. Hopefully. I got to go talk to John Benitez. Or I think Sam Tripoli does a show there now, too. But uh, no, that was a lot of fun. Thank you to yeah. you. Thank you to Jess Moncrief. Oh, like, well, she's the one. She's She, she does all of that thing, with, uh, with Harvell's. Yeah. I've only been there, you know, a couple of times. There was a street. Uh, what was it again? The Sidewalk. Sidewalk Project. Right. Awesome people. They sponsored the Long Beach Laughing, actually. Yeah. Um, go check them out, too. Very rad organization of people out there just kind of interacting with uh, the houseless community. You know, doing art, playing music. There was a guy from No Effects there, right? Fat Mike was there, yeah. That he, was crazy. There was a show that I did in 2015 in Huntington Beach. Yeah. It was called the Anarchy Show. Yeah. And it was like, it was as though all the artists there had Monet's. They had <laughs> yeah. security. Yeah. They had like they went all out on that show, and it was really, really cool. It was myself, John Gilhooley, who else showed there? But No Effects, they had something from No Effects, and then they had an artist who tried to take one of Edward Culver's pictures yeah. and do something with their own art. And I didn't even know until I saw it, and I'm like. Be, you know they were making a big deal about it like hey you can't take someone else's artwork right. and say it's your own and that's absolutely true you know there's so many people who try and do that yeah. though and it's such a weird it's thing ridiculous. to talk about with like the whole shepherd fairy thing like i don't know if you remember that but like he got in some heat because you know he created that obama change icon iconic photo the graffiti looking propaganda right. hope thing for obama but that was all based on a photo that someone else had taken that he never gave credit to. Yeah, that's not you know, cool, like, man. Ah, that's not cool. It's that's tough. yeah. When because it, it, it's a fine line between like being influenced by something and like directly stealing it. And you so know? many and, people like, will do that, and all yeah, kinds of people. You know, like it, Gene Simmons's son did that, where he really yeah, where he came out with this comic book years ago a couple uh -huh. years ago and i mean dude what do you have to do that for i mean like you can't come up with your own work you got to steal someone's stuff so much down to the like, it was exact but it was turned a little to the right that's still yeah stealing. That's like, like trace the whole image was the same it's like taking a photograph yeah and then just moving it a little, cropping it like a little five degrees to the right and saying that that's, that's not enough. Yeah, it's not original. <laughs> all of the artwork in there. He he plagiarized the, uh, like a Japanese artist. Oh, man. And that tough. sucked because, you know, like I really wanted to like him, too. You well, know? as the son of anyone from Kiss, you have high expectations on you. Like immediately. You got to be pretty cool. Well, just can't be in messing general, around by being a crappy artist. It would way. just be great if, in general, people were all able to maintain a, lev a level of integrity. And, yeah. you know, it's mm -hmm. like, rather than having to resort to that, 
there's so many other things you can do. And I've seen my photographs being sold on t-shirts, shoes, skateboards, all kinds of stuff. And I will contact the person and say, hey, do you have, how did you get a hold of that picture? Yeah. And they'll say, oh, well, you know, I bought the rights from this guy. And I'm like, that you've never met or heard I'm of like, that hey, doesn't exist. You're technically stealing <laughs> from a child because that's a photograph that I did when I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and they're making all kinds of money. And here I am, you know, struggling to pay my rent. And, you know, it shouldn't. Meanwhile, you see like your photo on a skateboard in a window, right? Yeah, going for well, like a hundred. <laughs> it was on these t-shirts, yeah. you know, a sublime picture. It was on these t-shirts with like lyrics that sucks. of a song. It looked pretty cool, but it just wasn't cool. And of course, you know, and there's not much you can do about it. Like I was at Hollywood Forever Cemetery talking with Arturo Vega at the Johnny Ramone monument. Mm -hmm. And about, you know, 10 years back and or so, and actually like 15 and he was saying, we were talking about that, and he says, you know what, Maggie, there's a point where you just have to understand that once your work goes out there, it becomes a product of the people. You can't go out and sue every single person. You right. just got to kind of accept it. That it's out there. Expect and, it and accept, you know? Yeah. This is a bummer way to look at it, but yeah, it's tough. Like no one really costs owns so much to litigate anything. You don't really own anything. You may think you do, but then when you die, whatever you own, I mean, this is, you know, not to get on that level with you, but it goes to somebody else. I'm amazed. I know that we're sitting in a cemetery, but I'll tell you every single podcast, it seems like, except for one so far, death is such a big influence on everybody's life because it comes yeah. up so often. Uh, like the idea that we could die at any moment, right? So you better live in the moment, do your best now. It's crazy to me. Like the more yeah. of these interviews I have that no matter what your background, that thought seems to be in everybody's mind. Right. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's the only thing that really is definite that we know. Right. You get one death or. You get one life. You know, or you get many deaths as we grow as people, you know, we shed some of our skin as past people, past lives, and yeah. then we get a new life in a, I don't know, man. I, I think about death all the time. It's always been something that I've been fascinated by and intrigued with the topic of, um, you know, I've always wanted to work at a cemetery. I remember being like 13 years old going to Fairhaven Cemetery in Orange and mm -hmm. saying, hey, you know, how do I get a job here? And they're looking at me like, okay, kid, you know, like, first of all, you're way too young right. and blah, blah, blah. But, um, you know, just death in general is, there's no way to escape it. You know, what do you do? Can't do anything. You just live your life as best you can. That's all you can Knowing do. Knowing that yeah. it, it will happen. Like all of these people, think about this. Mm -hmm. All of these people that we are amongst, like we think we're the only people in this cemetery. And for the most part, we are, you know. And uh, I know they said that he, the gates were going to close at five, but they never do. Don't worry about that. Okay. Um, but we're sitting here with all of these people, every single one, Bell Braden, Vale, Fox, Weems, Whiting, Workman, Every single one of these people 
had a life. They are have a have a birth date, 2006, and then there's a little hyphen in between that, and then they have a date of death. They live that whole entire life, and didn't know that they weren't gonna come home that night. They didn't know that. Right. That was know, it. That that was it. And it's crazy to think about. Is there one thing you want to do before you die? Absolutely. You know, I've done, I hate to, there's two answers to that. The first answer is, I am so grateful with everything I've done that if it was to happen right now, I think I would be okay with that. Like I have, you know, my kids are good. My kids are in a good spot. I think I would be okay. Then there's another part of me that just thinks like, there's still so much to do, you know, mm -hmm. like there's still so much. Like I'm only, I'm going to be 41 next month. And that is a crazy thought to think about. Time moves so fast. Right? My kids so are going to be 18 next year. Like how did that happen? Right. In a blink of an eye. They and say that. You don't believe it. It's so true. It happens. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. I just think, man, like time just goes by so fast. And it's the only thing we don't get back. It's like, like we were saying earlier, mm -hmm. once it's spent, that's it. It's gone forever. Money comes and goes. But time is the only thing that we don't get back. Yeah, because, you know, it's like I've just had all these intense good synchronicities. Things, though, right? Yeah. Happenstance is a good thing, though. Yeah. A lot of really good synchronicities have happened. So. Well, don't assume that that's going to lead to a negative thing. Right. No. Even though no. it is easy to do. Like, nah, you deserve those good things. And I'm sure they're coming because of things you've put in motion. Right. Over time. You know, right. Putting out that good energy. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. It's all good. It's very positive and very um, uplifting and motivating and sincere and, you know, uh, genuine. And um, it feels really good. You know, I feel like, I mean, maybe that's what it is. I feel like I'm finally at the right spot in my life. And that is probably what is a little scary. You know what I mean? Things are going overwhelmingly well. Yeah. That it's like, where's that jolt going to be that's just going to kind of... I know how you feel. Not, like, uh, not, that's not going to happen, of course, but... I know what you mean, though. Like, sometimes you get used to the other foot dropping eventually, and then if it doesn't come, you're like, what's up? Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, you kind of just expect, you know, something to tragic just to happen if you're used to it you know you kind of get yeah. used to it and it becomes something that you're uh but that's you know it's it's not right to think like that it's only good to think and beneficial to think positively yeah but you can't help it you're human i get it you know i mean i'll say this so i'm glad that things are going good for you and that things are synchronizing in a positive way and i hope it keeps happening thank you yeah Thank you, Danny. No problem. And I hope this can all be edited into a positive. Oh, it will be a very <laughs> interesting positive episode, outlook. Sure. Yeah. It will be. 
Thank you so much. More than anything, it's very real, and I think that's more important. Well, this has been a lot of fun, you know, well, to glad. to come here, and I don't know, it just seems fitting to just right? to be here. Well, from Sunnyside Cemetery in beautiful Long Beach, California, where the sewer meets the sea. Yes. This is Walk's Life. The Thanks, Maggie. Thank you, Danny.